0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Thank you so much, Pastor Becks. It's great to be with you here in the room and all those watching on, online. Um, I think I just heard Pastor Beck say that I was the head of Elam New Zealand. So I cannot wait to tell Boyd that during this week... But it is great, we have such an amazing relationship between our churches and I wanna thank you guys so much for uh, the partnership in the gospel that we have. Um, It's great to worship together this morning already. I can't make my mind up yet, if I was living here and Annie and I were here, whether I'd wanna be on Dream Team or on Worship Team. I think Dream Team wins because my voice is gone I used to be a singer a long time ago, but what a joy it is to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, uh, I want you to turn, whether it's a a, a kind of a real one, an old analog one like this, or you got it on a device or whatever, to John chapter 4. You know, this morning, I just feel really drawn to the theme of worship. Matt Redmond, some years ago, wrote an amazing song called The Heart of Worship. And that's my springboard, really, this morning title, The Heart of Worship. In fact, what he said was, we're coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I have a sense in my spirit that around the world, the Lord, by His Spirit, is waking up the church, is waking up followers of Jesus, to be worshippers in spirit and in truth. And we want to unpack that a little bit this morning. You see, you guys in New Zealand get to start the world day of worship. Just something about this kind of, this clock, this, this whole seasonal thing that we're in, where you guys are already in the future We came from UK and landed yesterday and we kind of have a sense of you guys being ahead of us when it's nighttime in the UK. You're already into Sunday. We often think about that back home. But I want you just to take that as a little bit of a metaphor, a little bit of a a moment, a prophetic thing this morning that in a significant way, the Lord is waking up the church in this time, this season, and this generation. Somebody say amen. Amen. He's waking us up. He's waking us up to his bigness, his vastness, his might and power. But he's waking us up to his passion for this generation. We've already sung some words this morning. Awake, my soul, and sing. That's the psalmist waking himself up. To say, I know God, I love God, but this day, I'm going to be alive to him. I'm going to be awake to him. So, come with me to John chapter 4. There's a moment here where Jesus is traveling from place to place, and he has to go through some area. Some of you will know this story, and I want to just focus in on a moment where he meets a woman. A woman from Samaria, verse four, came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to get food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I haven't a husband. Jesus said, you're right, I have no husband. You've had five, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said to me is true. The woman said, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on, gener- on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. For w- Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Some Months ago, I was in Oxford Street, London. Anybody ever been to London? Oxford Street is one of the busiest shopping streets in certainly the UK, if not Europe. And as I walked down the streets past the department stores, there were thousands of people thronging around and there was a girl sat at a keyboard. She'd just set up herself and she just was starting to play. And the closer I got, the more I recognized the song. It was a worship song. She began to sing the goodness of God. She began to sing all my life. Lord, I've been searching, reaching for you. I have lived in the goodness of God. It was a moment. It was like Oxford Street, busy, busy day. And this sense suddenly of the presence of God the presence of Jesus was in those moments, was in those streets. This morning, just flicking through some things on my phone early, for some reason, there came up a little clip. I think I was trying to look for the rugby, see how the Waz did last night. I, I, I found out about them, and I already support them, and I'm really suffering with you this morning. And this little moment came up it just of a guy sat on Oxford Street, same girl, playing the same song and it focused on him and he was maybe around 40 he looked like he'd seen a lot of life you know what I mean and he just sat there just on like like a a, a rubbish cart and he just begins to sit and listen close his eyes begin to weep the end of the song it's just this sense of this guy I don't know his story I don't know what those years up till that moment had been, but another just moment of worship changing something. You know, the Lord calls us to be worshipers. I want us just to jump into this for a moment. I've got three things I want to say about it, but I want to start with something really, really simple. Jesus meets a woman We know her story so dramatically. So many have told that story where she has had five husbands and the guy she's with now is not, and she's outside drawing water And in a sense, her life story would have been known in her community. I'm sure people told some things about her story. But she gets a moment where Jesus stops. This is not a moment with religious leaders. This is not a moment that is in any way in the conventions and the culture that was acceptable. He stops and he talks a man to a woman in public like that. A Jew to a Samaritan woman. They were enemies. She says so herself. And he meets her. And he's just about to turn her life around as he pr- prophetically calls something out of her, tells her about what he's come to do. The, the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. Anybody had a moment like that in your life where suddenly the life of Jesus comes in? And it's not, he's not there to parade your story. He just wants to give you a new story. This is this woman in this moment. But in the midst of that, the dramatic headlines of the story, he does something extraordinary. He tells us something that is revelation. He tells us something that is way beyond what we can grasp and understand. She tries to get him in a bit of an argument about worship. She's uncomfortable, and, and you know, it's, it's almost like this will play out in many places where people gather together in church or church communities where we kind of have these worship wars. What is the right way to do worship? Is it historic? Is it the old hymns? I remember the days, Pastor X, when, you know, as a, a worship leader back in the day, we were having struggles over contemporary worship or the old hymns. My senior pastor where I trained in London, a Welsh tornado called Wynne Lewis that was a mighty leader, an apostolic uh, leader in, in, in Elam back then. He used to drill me on what I was choosing for the songs on Sunday. I'd have to pass it week by week by him. And he had a, an amazing memory. He'd tell me if I, if I didn't have some of the old hymns in there, particularly the Welsh hymns, because he was a Welshman. <laughs> Those Welsh hymns, boyo, get them in there. I said, "Pastor, win." I had. Uh, yeah, we've got this one this morning. He said, "You had it four weeks ago. Get some new ones." But we were having those kind of not worship wars, but those challenges to try and sing out some new songs out of a new experience and freshness and fresh generational response to, to Jesus. She tries to get him into that moment of distraction. What about worship? What about your worship and our style? We have a way and you have a way, and which is the right way? And without being distracted, Jesus tells us something about worship. He says, woman, let me tell you, the time is coming when true worship, when true worship, when the true worshipers Oh, that's not about a special club. that You have to have a special access code. That's about God's heart to call us, all of us, to be true worshipers. And he goes on to say something. He says this, that the, that the time is coming, declares the Lord, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship. And what I want to say very simply, is a springboard point number one. Worship is not just something we do Sunday. I know you guys know that. It's not just something that we are led in in a moment of response together in the room. Worship is a lifestyle, worship is about everything focusing on Him as we do life, as we go through stuff, that there is an invitation to be worshipers. True worship is not kind of mev- measured on some super scale. It's measured over the long t- time, what do, we, what do we call it, a, 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 a consistent walk in the same direction, following Jesus, worshiping the Father all our days. We were made to worship him. The psalmist David, who's just what an extraordinary heart after God. David, the shepherd boy that becomes king. David that has this anointing on his life to be a worshiper. Where did he learn that stuff? But something comes out of him, and he writes these songs, these psalms, that are so familiar even to the 21st century church. And he says something in Psalm 8 that I want just to, quickly refer to this morning. We were made to worship. Here's what he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. He starts big, big canvas. Then he says this, Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to silence the foe and the avenger. You've established praise is the word there. Let me just unpack that for a moment. Any of you been around small children, little babes and little infants, when they're learning language, they're learning to talk, something happens there. You know, we've just become grandparents, and and well, a a year ago, we've got a one-year-old called Jude, and we love Jude, and we're already hearing for our name when Jude makes the noises that he makes at one year old and you know, already we get this parent and grandparent thing where an auntie thing where it, actually you start to project that, that is actually him saying your name. <laughs> the psalmist says, Lord, you're amazing. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're, you're spectacular. You are the creator. You are the God whose might brought all things into being. And no sooner has he said that, then he's marveling at the fact that he gets to praise the mighty God. And that this is not just something for him, it's for others too. He says, From the mouths of little babes, you have ordained praise. You've called forth praise. We were made to worship. It's woven into us, it's hotwired into us that there is a capacity the world worships all around us they're crying out everybody for something someone to worship to fill that void and david nails it there when he says you have ordained praise from baby talk baby talk think about that the marvel the mystery that our babbling to father god he hears it as worship David had a revelation that God was calling us to be worshipers and not just in the crowd and not just formally and ritually, but worshipers in relationship. From little babes and infants, you've called forth praise. We're going to pick that one up in a little while, but I want to say this. We are made to worship. Worship is not only about the songs that we sing, the services we attend. It's about our whole lives lived in response to him. It's about character, his holiness, his might, his love, his power, his purpose, welling up in us into lived out praise through the stuff of ordinary life and through all the seasons that have been and are yet to come. We're made to worship. Years ago in a a conference in London, the Vineyard movement with John Wimber, the founder were, were gathering together and, and they had a, they had a worship conference and I was a, a, a young rookie in ministry. I was leading a worship ministry in london uh, in in Kensington and uh, i wasn 't really I'm I'm just a little bit of an amateur. I I used to fake it well for a while, but then the real musos came along and they could see right through that. And I was trying to learn stuff about about worship and the heart of God and worship ministry. And Wimber and a guy called Terry Virgo from the New Frontiers movement in the UK were teaching. And I remember Terry saying this. So there's a little bit like, now that was 30 years ago. I know I don't look that old, but I really am. But Terry was talking about the contemporary worship songs that were coming out and just the, this new sense of worship that was spreading across the UK and New Zealand, Australia then. and Our songs were, were fresh and as well as the old ones. And he said this, it's a little bit like we hear stuff, not quite worship wars, but this over-familiarity with what we're doing. Have you ever been to, to church coming out and somebody says, well, I didn't really get much from the worship today? Ouch, not amen. That's an ouch moment. Terry said it's a little bit like this. It's a little bit like you're invited to somebody's birthday party, and at the end of the birthday party, when you leave, you complain because nobody sang to you, because nobody gave you the gifts. He says, It's not your birthday. It's not your birthday. It's his birthday. Worship is not about us, it's about him. And so into my young worshipping spirit, something began to drop. That there was an invitation to begin to be a worshipper. I want to say this, and if you don't remember anything else of what I say this morning, I hope you do this. Thank the Lord for the many gifts of ministry that he gives to the body of Christ. Thank the Lord for the gift of pastoring, shepherding us, one another. Thank the Lord for the gift of counseling, where there are people that can help us through to process what's going in our lives with biblical truth and and that support. Thank the Lord for evangelists, those that just can't wait to help to lead others to Jesus. Thank the Lord for preaching and teaching ministries, those that can open the scriptures. Thank the Lord for the creative arts. Thank the Lord for musical ministry and Kids ministry, but I want to tell you this. There is a day coming when we will lay down every other ministry. The evangelist will stop evangelizing. The pastor will stop, stop pastoring. Thank you, Jesus. The counselors will stop counseling because we'll be in his presence. But there will never, ever, ever come a day when worshipers will stop worshiping. Never. We were made to worship him. Those of you guys that are maybe thinking this is all about music, let me just say it's not. It's about worshiping Him in silence. It's about worshiping in a whisper. It's about out in the, in, in the wild countryside getting stillness and quietness. It's about worshiping him with the Bible open and letting him speak to you. It's about worshiping him together with friends and family over food. It's about worship having flesh in the everyday things of our lives as we begin to learn to open to Him in the hurry and the hustle and the hassles of the seasons of life. But in the midst of that, there are sometimes moments like we shared this morning when collective worship begins to do something extraordinary. So my second point is this, that we're called to worship him, we're made to worship, but we're also called to worship him as true worshipers in spirit and truth. Pentecostals Charismatics love the spirit part of that. We like to remind others, other parts of the the Christian family, the followers of Jesus around the world, that, that we need some emotion and some life and some spirit in there. But Jesus says actually true worship is about spirit and truth. And Psalm 8, what David says, from babes and infants, you've ordained praise. He goes on to say, in order to silence the foe and the avenger. In other words, God has made it possible for us in our lives to speak truth in worship, to line ourselves up with truth in worship, that makes an impact, that changes things, that begins to silence the voices of the world, that begins to silence in our hearts and our emotions and our spirits and in our atmosphere and communities, to silence the voice of the enemy. Voices of intimidation, of shame, of fear. Worship changes things from the lips of babes and infants. The babbling of you and I. Remember that, that, that when, when we hear the, uh, about the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit, wh- who, who you know already, will come to you, will come upon you and in you, and he will be with you, and he will teach you. And we're reminded that as we pray our babbling words, there is one who interprets them, language that cannot be, with groans that cannot be communicated in words. Guys, the Lord is waking up worshipers, not only about the songs we sing, he is worthy, but also he is true. Every move of God has birthed new worship and new songs and forms. When John Wesley, we sang a, a new version of this earlier on, about a thousand, a thousand voices. When Charles Wesley and John, the two... Brothers that God used in mighty revival hundreds of years ago began to get into the scriptures and realize the revelation of truth and spirit. Charles penned these words Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. It's a bit old language, but we sang it in new language this morning. What he's saying is, I wish I had a thousand voices. I wish instead of a solo, I was a choir to sing his praise. In the midst of the book of Ephesians, in fact, right at the beginning, the the great apostle Paul, a man of great writing and learning, he gets carried away. He starts to talk about Jesus and his might and his majesty and his saving power. And he just goes off. You can read it. He just kind of goes off, getting lost in wonder, love, and praise. We're going to bring this into land in the next few moments. I wish I had more time with you, but let me just remind you that he's calling us to be true worshipers. You know, you may, nobody may audition you for the, for the choir, but we're in his choir. Whispers and cries. There's a moment when David, the psalmist who writes so many songs, has lost his son. And they break the news to him, and he's heartbroken, and he goes into the place of worship on his own. And I say, i, I, I said this many years ago, and I, I'm going to use it this morning just as a, as a bit of a, 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 an illustration. I think I know the song that he sang that day. In his agony, in his loss, in his sorrow, in his grief, I think I know how it goes. I think he went like this. Ah! It was a cry. It was a, 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 an expression of mourning. He's lost his son, but the same guy that wrote the triumph songs went into a place at a time of loss, at a time of grief, and he worshipped. So, final point is God's seeking worshippers. This is the revelation here for me. This is what really gets me. Oh, it's wonderful to hear that we're made for worship. It's wonderful to hear that the Lord is wanting us to worship in spirit and truth. But this is the one that blows my mind. When Jesus says to this Samaritan woman, not to the religious leaders, and the, the disciples are overhearing it, but he tells her, For the Father is seeking such people. The Father is looking for people. He's looking for people to worship him in spirit and truth. Oh, my word. Just for a moment, Lord, wake us up to that. That the. the, the the Lord is seeking the earth right now. I don't know what you think about the challenge of reaching this generation right now for Jesus. It can seem so hard, can't it? It can seem so difficult. The, the culture shift, the, the, the attitude shift, the, the sense of, of disillusionment with authority and, 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 and with traditions and, and, and with, with the message in many ways that they think that we are bringing. And yet God is waking up worshipping people. He's seeking after those that don't yet know him and he is absolutely committed to pursuing them. It's not just down to us guys. He wants to bring us into something that's the passion of his heart. The Father is seeking worshippers. The Father, like a heat-seeking missile, is seeking worshippers. That means he's seeking you and I. What does that mean? It's not some great exam that we have to pass. Go through worship school. No, it's this. Where is there someone the Holy Spirit is looking who's turning to me? Where is there someone who's, where there's a whisper instead of silence? Where is there somebody who in the midst of something is beginning to reach out? Where is there somebody who's beginning to see that that word in the Scripture is real and true and put, putting it before me, times of difficulty, times of challenge, maybe times of fear, maybe times of stepping out in new things, but the Holy Spirit is seeking after just one spark of our hearts turning to Him. So when Matt Redmond says, I, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I believe that the Lord is going to give us faith for a generation that we can't, reach in our own imagination we can't reach with our own skill set we can't reach on our own we we kind of run out of ideas and run out of road and, and yet the spirit of God is awakening something in us to reach a generation who are going to worship him so guys this morning are pursuing God seeking after every one of us like a heat-seeking missile you, you want to throw him off your life the guy on Oxford Street listening to the goodness of God as that worship blanketed the area. I don't know his story, but I know one that does, who came to a woman of Samaria by a well and gave her this awesome revelation that he wants your heart. 2009, this is my closing song. If the guys want to come back to the stage, the worship team, thank you. 2009, we'd been pastoring in Cardiff, capital city of Wales, known to all New Zealanders for that amazing rugby stadium. They keep trying to beat New Zealand, but they never do. And we live in that city, and it's a beautiful city. We pastored a church there. In 2009, after more than a decade of pastoring there, we'd been involved in so many projects, and I'd I'd arranged six weeks sabbatical, Chris. Six weeks off, you know, kind of agreed. Off we went. we, We were ready to go, rather. We were planning it. And before the, the first week got going, I just felt right, so exhausted I could hardly get out of bed. I began to have palpitations and all kinds of stuff. Within a few days, I was seeing my doctor and, and they sent me for some tests. And so what was meant to be a time of away and sabbatical and rest and restoration and vision and planning and just kind of renewing became a really difficult few weeks journey of trying to work out what was going on in my body. And what was happening? And I went for tests here, there, and everywhere. Finally, I, I, I got up from my bed to go do a memorial service for the mother of a friend of ours. Uh, and I'd agreed to do it. And he was a doctor. And at the end of that, he said, how are you? I said, I'm feeling really terrible. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the source. I'm going to be sent to a cardiologist now. He said, see that guy over there? He's one of my best friends. He's a cardiologist at the hospital. I'm going to get him to come over. He came. We talked and he said, I'll see you this week and I'll let you know if you, 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 well, we were planning a great trip to the West Coast and off to Hawaii and we'd been planning that as a part of our, our time away. Well, anyway, he, he, he did the test, he signed me off, he said, you need it, you're, you're a wreck, you're physically and I think kind of more than that, you're stressed and off you go, best thing for you but I'm still not feeling well. We go all the way around the West Coast. My kids were in school at the time. My teenage boy was listening not to worship music, but had a, just all the, the rock songs and the, wild, you know, the West Coast of America blaring all the way we went. Finally, we get to Big Island, Hawaii. We take a little rental car. and I'm just starting to feel a little bit healthier and a little bit more like, you know, we're going to be okay I switch on the radio. We drive out just into that kind of lunar landscape, volcanic rock. And a song immediately fills the car. It's a worship song all the way around the West Coast, no worship on the radio, the moment we switch it on. And it's a song from our church, Kensington Temple, from an album that was the final project that I did before I moved away from the worship ministry. We're in Big Island, Hawaii, and it says this, and God is so good. I began to cry and almost just started to pull the car to the the corner, and, and he looks at me, the kids in the back are going, what, what, what's the matter with Dad, what's the matter with Dad? I just began to hear this song from my album, not, my, not me singing on it, but me producing it and worship leader in Hawaii, the moment we turn on the radio. Do you know what I felt? Immediately, I felt the pursuing, seeking, confirming, assuring love of Jesus It reminded me of Psalm 139 when when David says, If I run to the ends of the world, even there, you are with me. Your right hand will lift me up. And just for a moment, I felt the seeking heart of God for my life in brokenness and weakness. Guys, he's seeking after you and he's seeking after me. Let's pray. Would you stand? Wherever you are right now, if you can, in the building at home right now, wherever you are, or you're listening on the run in the coming days, wherever you are, God is seeking worshipers. All he wants is that we'd make one move One invitation. Lord, come to me. Will you do it where you are? Lord Jesus, I receive today the revelation of your heart that you are seeking me, that you are a restorer. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I say, come, Holy Spirit. Help me today. With a new spirit of worship, in truth, in the reality of where I am, but with hope that you are restoring us to reach the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.